Kanban on the air. Thanks for tuning in to Instagram Growth Podcast. We love having you here and it's our mission to bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills and know-how to make you the best Instagram marketer that you can be. We know that you have it in you and we are going to show you how. Now, let's get started. Hello there and welcome to Instagram Growth Podcast Show. My name is Anne and I'm glad to have you back this week for another great guest today. Successful marketer, entrepreneur, business owner, chief of police, university lecturer, proven leader, Hasis Edi Kampa. So welcome to my show and thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and honor to be uh, part of your of your show. Thank you. Thank you. So today we will discuss the importance of social media in business and entrepreneurship. And on a real life example of Hassas Edicampo, we will see how deep is the connection between social and business part of our life. But before we get down to business, let me and my listeners know you a bit more personally. So who is Hassas Edicampo in real life? Where are you from? How old are you now? And so on. What are you so I was, uh, I was, I'm 47 years old now. I was born in El Paso, Texas in the United States, which is a border town which borders Ciudad, Mexico, uh, Juarez. Uh, El Paso, Texas is uh, the, we border Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, who's always in the news because it's one of the most violent cities in the world. Yeah. And, and uh, so we're the border. And uh, when I grew up, uh, we were a small town. I grew up to a single parent, my mother, who uh, she was, uh, you know, my dad, I grew up without a father. He left me when I was two years old. I was actually raised by my grandmother. My mom worked uh, two or three jobs to be able to keep a roof over our head and put food in our mouth. So I never really saw my mom. I was raised by my grandmother. I always tell people this joke that says, hey, look, yes, I'm a guy, but don't ever ask me to do guy things. Don't ask me to Uh. (laughs) build anything because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to fix a car. But if you need me to sew something or cook something or iron, I'm really good at it because that's what my grandmother taught me. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, so um, I grew up poor. We grew up poor, and uh, I, I learned my work ethic from my mom, and I never wanted to be poor. So, uh, but the fact that my mom was always working, she she kind of gave me that inspiration to to work hard, just like she did, so I could make sure my family would always have food. And stuff like that and, and, and be able to go out and enjoy the things in life. Um, married, have three kids. Um, I've got a long list of experiences. I've done just about everything in 47 years. Yeah, and, yeah, I think so. And, and, and okay. we're just getting started. Yeah. And at the beginning, I mentioned that you have lots of employees, so to speak. You are a businessman, speaker, lecturer, chief of police. So truly all-round man. And uh, can you tell me who are these people who have been the most influential to you as a person? Or maybe you have some books or films that have left the most influence on who you are now. Absolutely. So the most influential person in my life, and, and, I, and I don't really tell her that, is, is my mom. Um, you know, my mom, uh, she, she had to be dad, mom, everything to me, provider. And everything that I am today, I owe it to her because if she hadn't gone through her struggles, I don't think I would have been able to survive the struggles that I've gone through. But seeing her suffer and the things that she had to go through prepared me uh, to, to be the person that I am and deal with 
sometimes, you know, in life, we can't always be winners. Sometimes we fail and we have to know how to get up. So yeah. one of my favorite films is, uh, is Rocky. Uh, Sylvester yeah. Stallone, you know, very cool film, very awesome film. Uh, some of the, some of my favorite books, uh, I'm currently reading, uh, call sign chaos by, uh, Jim, um, by Jim Mattis, general Mattis. Um, if anybody out there who is uh, trying to find out how su- how to create a successful business, you should really read Inside the Magic Kingdom, which tells you about how Disney uh, the Corporation became what it is today. And finally, The Art of War for Managers by Sensu. Those are some of the most inspirational books that I, I, I've gotten a lot of help and knowledge from in everything that I've done. Yeah, cool. And do you read every day or every week? I try to. Um, so I'm currently, <laughs> I'm currently working on, on getting my PhD. Uh, so I, I'm hoping to become Dr. Kampa here at, at, in the next year or two. So that requires a lot of reading. So whether I want to read or not, I have no choice. Uh, yeah. late, lately, I'm having to read things that I have to read, not things that I want to read. So I do travel a lot. So right now, uh, when I'm on the airplane and don't have access to a computer, that's when I'm reading that, that book by General Mattis called Sign Chaos. Yeah, by the way, good luck with your PhD. Thank you. It's it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, I understand that. And what is your occupation by now? So where do you work now? What are duties and so on? So, so right now, my main job is I am the executive director for the Council on Law Enforcement Education and Training which is basically the licensing um, organization that licenses all police officers in the state of Oklahoma. So for any occupation in law enforcement, if you want to be a police officer, an investigator, a detective, you have to go through my agency to get your license. So you have to go through our academy, our training academy. We train you how to be a police officer. So I'm the executive director for the state of Oklahoma on the, uh, for what we call CLEAT. Uh, that's my real job. That's what I do. That's what I do Monday through Friday, eight to five, or I wish it was eight to five. And then I, uh, I'm a lecturer and, and a university professor uh, for the University of Texas at El Paso and East Central College. Uh, so I teach criminal justice and uh, homeland security courses. And then I'm a I'm a speaker. So I've been speaking for the last three years. I travel the country. Uh, I've been some I've done some keynote speaking on leadership in businesses and turning things around and. Uh, One of the things that I do uh, in my lectures is I talk about how using social media to defend your brand and how important that is. So um, I'm also a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I said, I have my speaking business, but I also own a security company uh, in El Paso. And uh, it's it's uh, I don't know how I do it in 24 hours, but I get it all done. Yeah, I just wanted to say it seems that you have more than 24 hours every day. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. Um, the bad thing about that is I lose track of time. So sometimes people, you know, for instance, uh, today, I, today, I thought today was Thursday. I was running around at work thinking, oh, my God, I missed the interview. I forgot about the podcast. It's Thursday. I was like, it's not Thursday. It's Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And I called. Uh, I had to do payroll. I called in payroll early. And they're like, hey, you don't usually call payroll in on a Wednesday. And I'm like, Wednesday. I thought it was Friday. Ah. Earlier, I thought, I'm like, all right, cool. So sometimes I get lost because yeah. I'm, I'm, I get ahead. So I get lost and I lose, you know, track of time, but uh, time is precious and you got to take, uh, you got to take, uh, take advantage of all the time you have. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. And how did you uh, get started with these police duties? So did you always work in that sphere, in so, one and the same sphere, or you tried several? No, so I, um, I, I, I've been a police officer for 27 years now. Um, I started my career in El Paso, Texas. As I mentioned, I grew up with my mom and my grandmother, so I never had a male role model around me. So um, one of the persons that, that I kind of look up to, well, not that I kind of, that I do look up to is my uncle. And he was a police officer. And I was always the underdog of the family because my family, my, my, my mom's brothers and sisters, they were all married and they had kids and, and they were going to good schools and they had money and they had big dreams for their kids. And since I was the poor little Mexican kid without a dad, I wasn't supposed to be anything. So everybody always thought that, hey, you know what? As long as he stays out of prison, doesn't join a gang, and he has a good job at McDonald's, we'll be happy for Eddie. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, really? Like, thanks a lot. I mean, that's that's all I get. It's like, okay. So uh, I looked up at my uncle as my role model, and he was a police officer. So uh, I knew that I, I, I had to start working, so I joined the police. I, I'm sorry, I joined the sheriff's office, and I, I worked my way up. I spent 20 years with the El Paso Sheriff's Office, retired at uh, 20 years. Uh, then I became the chief of police at the Hector County Independent School District in Odessa, Texas. Uh, I spent a year there, went to Marshall, Texas, was the chief of police there for three years. Marshall, Texas is a very hard place for uh, for a Latino like myself uh, to be accepted. Um, it was a lot Why? of it's a lot of racial issues. Uh, so basically, primarily, it's a it's 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 a white community and a black community, and the racial tension is there. So I always make a joke uh, when they hired me. They couldn't hire another white guy because he had caused some problems, and 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 the African Americans were mad, and they were never going to hire an African American as a chief of police. So they settled for this little caramel Mexican <laughs> guy who's not white and he's not black. He's like brown in between. It's hard <laughs> that guy. Yes. Yeah, so perfect middle, you fix it, you know. And uh, while we did great things with the community and one of the biggest tools that I had, and this is one of the things that I always tell police chiefs when I talk to them is use social media. That's how we were able to turn the perception that the community had of the police department. We were able to turn it around using Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and our, uh, and our website because we were putting out so much information. Everything we did, we were posting it quickly and quickly and getting it up there that people started saying, hey, like they, they felt like, like they were part of us because they knew everything we were doing and we weren't hiding anything. So I spent three years doing that. And uh, I mean, you know, uh, I, while I changed the community and the community accepted me and I was accepted by the community, the police officers, it's very hard to change a culture and they didn't want to change. And kind of like, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, you know in, in one of the Rocky movies where, you know, we're all the same, yeah. but, we're all, but we're all different. But the police department didn't want to see that. So after three years, my contract was up. I went home started my security company. I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, and then uh, I applied for the job that I'm at right now as the executive director. I didn't think I was going to get the job. And then I got the job and I said, oh, okay. Nah. <laughs> so then I moved to Oklahoma. So yes, I've always been in, in, in the police world, but I've always done millions of things outside of it. Yeah. Okay. All round man. Yep. Well, thank you. I like that.
And what about Jesus Eticampa, a band? How did you started that? So my full name is Jesus Eduardo Campa, but everybody has always called me Eddie. Uh, for some strange reason, Jesus translates to Chewy. I don't, I don't know how that fit. I don't know how they come up with that, but I don't like the way Chewy sounds. So I don't like being called Chewy. So when people, <laughs> when, when people call me Chewy, I know they're from my days in high school because that's what they used to call me. So, um, so Jesus, uh, I couldn't go by Jesus because there was too many Jesuses in the Mexican community. Everybody's oh, really? a Jesus, yes. So I was like, I'll just go by Eddie. Well, when I joined the sheriff's office, they call us by our last name. So it's Campa, 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 Deputy Campa, Chief Campa, uh, Director Campa. So you kind of lose that. So when I went to Marshall, and this is how funny it is, this is where it started. Uh, um, you know, I got to Marshall and and the African-Americans would call me Jesus. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, don't call me Jesus. Um <laughs> Not because you're offending me, you're offending the big guy upstairs, you know, I mean, he's going to get mad and say, I'm not that guy. So um, I said, no, you know what, just call me Eddie. Just just call me Eddie. And they're like, okay, Eddie. Well, then the Hispanic community of my city got upset because they're like, well, you're Latino, you're Mexican. Why do you want to be Eddie? Why can't we call you Jesus? And I'm like, okay, well, then call me Jesus. And then, and then, and then the other people uh, in law enforcement, it was always Chief Campa. So sometimes we we would go to places and people would be talking. Yeah, did you see, did you see uh, did you see Eddie? Who? Oh, Chief Campa. Oh, you mean Jesus? <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Just to make everybody happy, just call me. You can call me whatever you want, Jesus, Eddie, or Campa. So it just became <laughs> Jesus Eddie Campa became. My my brand. I'm just Jesus yeah. Eddie Campa. That yeah. way, everybody knows. Oh, Jesus Campa. Oh, we know him. Oh, Eddie Campa. We know him. Campa. Oh, we know him. And that's the brand. Yeah, I think that's just cool yeah. and very interesting story. <laughs> and um, how close are your duties to marketing and social media marketing are now? So that's an interesting question because a lot of people, especially in law enforcement. We don't like social media. We look at social media as a bad thing. We look at the media reporters as a bad thing. But like I said, if you know how to work social media, you can I mean you can make it very successful. So one of the things that a lot of police departments do is something happens in the community and the first thing everybody does is they reach for their cell phone and they start typing on Facebook and on Instagram and telling everybody what's going on, but they're telling their version what they see. So if we as the police department or the police chief or whoever you are, if you get to the scene and you know something's happening and you put it out there first and you're the first one who puts it out there, now the truth is out there. So people can say, yeah, well, I saw the accident and it was and this happened or this person killed this person. And you're like, well, that's not what the, that's not what the police page said. They said that this happened. And you got the pictures and you can show what's legally what's legal that you can show, right? So if you're putting the information out there first, you're beating the people to the punch and you get your side of the story out first. So it's very important. And do you have kind of uh, censorship of what to share? Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, sometimes there's certain like we're not going to you go to a shooting or you go to a bad accident or something. We're not going to we're not going to show you those pictures you know we're gonna we're basically gonna tell you we're investigating a shooting we might show you a, a general area of where we're at 
uh, and stuff like that. But a lot of the times, uh, you know, some people will actually share those images, which, you know, Instagram or Facebook will take those pictures down for us. But I think it, it's very important in everything that, that, that social media is it's today's television. It's today's uh, radio. It's today's newspaper. Nobody reads newspapers. Nobody. Yeah. I, I haven't. I have a television here. I haven't turned that television on in almost six <laughs> weeks. I'm like, I, same story. You know. So, I think it's very closely related. It's very important piece in in, in our business. Absolutely. Okay. And was it always uh, like that easy, or it was very hard to market at the beginning? So trying to get police officers or police departments to use social media is very hard. Uh, it's it's very hard because we don't like sharing information. You know, the police, we're secret. <laughs> we're, we're secret. You don't need to know that. It's <laughs> our business. You don't need to know that. So when you twist it and you're, and you're giving people information, everyone's like, how dare you tell people what we're doing? They can see us. <laughs> like, what do you mean? We're not hiding somewhere. They, they can see us. And they're going to put their version of what they see. So let me get my version of the truth. That way I can sit here and tell you, like, no, this happened at this time. And it's right here on our, on our, on our, on our feed. And a lot of the times, social media and Facebook, because a lot of people do take pictures of things that happen. Sometimes we actually go through people, you know, like, oh, this friend, oh, this friend posted this. Hey, that's a picture that we didn't know happened. It's got information for us and we can use it. So we have to know how to work it to our advantage. But even to this day, it's very hard to try to convince uh, police officers or police chiefs and things like that to, to use social media. I mean, even businesses today, I mean, like most of my business for my security company and a lot of the business that I do for my speaking that I do, two separate businesses are marketed on social media. And that's where all my business comes from. You know, I don't, I don't have a billboard. I don't have a TV commercial. You know, I, I put up a, a quick blurb on Facebook, a, a quick Instagram with my phone number information, swipe up, do this, do this. You just do it. You get the information, direct you to the website. Easy. You know, it's all about convenience. So that's, it's been very successful. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I also wanted to ask you, is that a common practice for your city or for your region uh, for police to share all these things? Or it is only your department who does it? So a lot of the more progressive departments do it. Um, so in Texas, we have very big progressive departments. So there's a lot of that. Now that I'm in, in the state of Oklahoma, which is where I'm at, it's very rural communities, a lot of little towns made up, of, and they don't like to share that information. So they, they kind of like, they're like, oh, here come, this is what I've been to. Oh, here comes that Texas yeah, kid yeah. who thinks he knows it all. He's going to put everything <laughs> on Facebook. He's going to put it all on Instagram. And it's like, well, yes, because that's how you stop misinformation from going out, you know, because you put out your version and then somebody puts out their version and it's kind of, you're kind of contradicting. It gives you an opportunity to defend yourself. And we'll talk about how I have to defend my brand a little bit later, I, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just very interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And for me, as for the citizen, it would be cool if my police department in my city share some of this, some of their experience or some of these incidents that are happening, because it's really I think important for people who live in the city to understand what is going on from the police side of you. Okay. So 
Now the world is full of opportunities for startups, for businesses, and it is obviously much easier for them to get promoted, to get famous, to reach the new people. And all of these social media networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram are perfect places to find target audience that is highly likely to like your service, to like your brand, to like your business, to like your initiative. But um, what about some uh, times in, in the past so to say what about such a veteran as myspace for example did you have an account on myspace i did myspace was my favorite actually that was my favorite social media I, I'm, i'm making myself sound very old because you know social uh myspace came around in 2003 and, yeah. and it was it was the when i first got out when i first got my account i was so excited because you could do all these really cool things. And what I liked about MySpace is it was so easy. I mean, things are easy today, but MySpace was easy. I mean, uh, you could actually take a song, you know, which now if you use it, you have to pay royalties or you have to buy the use of the song. Back then it was free. You know, you, you'd make a video, you could attach the song to it. Nobody would take it down or anything like that. Um, and you were one of the cool kids if you had a MySpace account because not everybody, <laughs> not everybody had computers and smartphones were not around yet. So you literally had to go to your desktop or your laptop and, and log in. But that was where I got my first view with, 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 with social media. And at that time, while I was still a cop, I also had a professional – I used to be a professional wrestler. Uh, oh. And, yeah. And, surprise, right? And I had a, a wrestling company. Uh, that was called uh, the Alliance of Lucha Libre Wrestling Association. And we were out of El Paso, Texas, and we would travel on the weekends. And on my days off, we would go wrestle places. And MySpace is where we let everybody know where we were going. So we would have shows that we were doing, and we would tell everybody, if you don't have a MySpace account, create one so you can follow us. And and that's how people started finding out about us and, and just, I mean, While we were in El Paso, somebody from Las Cruces, New Mexico, sends, hey, how do we get you guys to come to Las Cruces? Well, easy. We need this. We need this. And communication. And that's how networking started. And everybody had a MySpace account. It was just awesome. You know, unfortunately, MySpace, uh, I would still love to have MySpace account. Uh, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, but it's it, a bit it didn't evolve. Out of date, yeah. Yeah, it didn't evolve. So. Yeah. And did you at this time uh, have a well well thought strategy or did you just use any opportunity to promote yourself to try something new as social media i was a I'm, I, i was a cop i had no idea how to <laughs> i'm like wow now you know 20 somewhat years later now i know that i'm actually a businessman not really a cop but back then i just thought i was a cop and i'm like when we started the business we started off as a joke because a friend of mine had just bought a, a ballroom and he said hey you know what i have this building and it's a ballroom for dances and stuff but nobody's renting it what do we do i said as a joke just said i looked at him i said hey let's do rest let's do wrestling and he's like wrestling how do you do that i said i don't know just, just, <laughs> I just threw that out and he goes i like that idea let's do it because everybody likes wrestling in el paso and i'm like okay <laughs> so i called a friend who was a wrestler and i said hey dude i want to create a wrestling show just one time how do i do that So we set it up. We had a wrestling show. We had 800 people show up to this show. Oh. First show, first time, just handing out flyers, the, the original social media, handing out flyers. Yeah, flyers. And, and, and uh, we had 800 people show up, and we thought it was a one-time thing. And everybody at the end of the show is asking, when's the next one? When's the next one? And I'm like, the next one? And I go into a panic, and I'm like, the next one? 
I'm like, oh, <laughs> next Sunday, next Sunday. And I'm like, really? I'm like, no, 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 not next Sunday. <laughs> well, next thing you know, it was every Sunday we were doing wrestling. And then that's when we created MySpace. And we were trying to find ways to promote it. But we were so popular that we didn't really need to promote it because people were just coming because we were the only game in town. Then we got some competition. And then when we wanted to start traveling, that's when MySpace came in. And we started kind of putting a strategy together, but we really didn't know what the heck we were doing. That's yeah. Not- okay. So not this strategy, like tactics, yeah. uh, something testing. No. Okay. And what is the difference between then MySpace and, for example, Instagram? Uh, what is what is easier for you to make presence on MySpace or now on Instagram? Well, back then, I mean, my, there was no such thing as Instagram back then. So MySpace was all you had. So that was a lot easier to do. Now, I prefer Instagram over Facebook because I don't think you get all the negativity that you get on Facebook on Instagram. I think Instagram is a little more friendlier. It lets you yeah. express yourself a little bit more. More lo- uh, it, Yes. And I think it, it, it's it's being run and governed the way social media was intended to be, just to get things out there and, and, and let people share their lives. Uh, Facebook, honestly, to me, and I'm not trying to put anybody down, or if anybody from Facebook is listening to this, I'm sorry, but it, Facebook has really become a trash can. Um, if you, it, it says a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of negativity on there, and so I, I like that's what I like. LinkedIn, it's very professional. You can carry your brand uh, while you don't. Well, they're starting to do advertising now, but it's it's very clean. And Instagram is kind of the same way. I mean, you can still find a lot of things, but a lot of the negativity that's found on Facebook's out there. So, but I really enjoy the how easy Instagram makes their platform. So that's really good. I mean, anybody can do it. Yeah, okay. Thank you. And what are your marketing efforts today? So what role does social media marketing play in your today's life, in your career? So how much time do you are you ready to give to social media? So luckily uh, for my real job, I have somebody that actually runs our social media. Uh, oh. <laughs> we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and that's his job. I mean, so as far as that goes, that's what he gets to do all day. He gets to play on social media, he runs around taking pictures and posting information. So I have a person that does that. Um, for for my, my speaking business, that's since I'm barely doing that, I'm the one who's doing all of that. So I've got a Facebook account, Twitter account, LinkedIn account, and Instagram where I'm posting pictures of me speaking somewhere or uh, events that I'm attending or directing you to my webpage so you can book me as a speaker, uh, directing you to different things. And that's being done by me. Usually um, I, I, I do I do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, where I post the majority of my things. Uh, I'm being told that I need to increase that, especially on Twitter. Uh, you know, you have to basically kind of post like 50 tweets a day. I don't have time to do 50 tweets a day to get a presence, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Uh, my security company in El Paso, uh, we have somebody else that runs that for us. Uh, we are, we're on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook, and that's the majority of our business comes from there. 
and basically we post ads we, we do ads uh, on Facebook and on uh, Instagram as well so that's how we get most of our business so that's our marketing strategy but for my brand the Jesus Eddie Campa brand I'm the one doing all the marketing on it and all the Instagram tools the more platforms that you have and it makes it so easy now because you can tie all the platforms together where you post yeah. on one they post everywhere so so that has made life a lot easier um, it's just one thing to remember always check your spelling before you hit send yes yes it's a cool tip really cool yes. tip I, I give it to the attendees of my webinars very often because they often think about things like oh hashtags locations uh, value something like that and when I say just check your spelling they say oh yeah true 100% true yeah. and you know, one of the things that I do sometimes I, I, I since I'm bilingual I speak English and Spanish I'll, I'll put it in Spanish and I'm, while I'm not that my Spanish I can speak it very well I can't write it very well and sometimes I, I put down some pretty interesting things and my wife will call me she'll say can you fix the spelling on this because basically what you're saying is this and I'm like oh that's no <laughs> so yeah so be, be careful with that yeah. Okay. So if we started to talk about failures in speaking, so what were, what was your biggest failure during your uh, job, during all your experience of work? So, and what did you learn from that? So, so my biggest failure, uh, honestly, is going to be the time, which is funny because my f biggest failure is also my biggest success story. Oh, uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like, well, so it was my time in Marshall, Texas, as the chief of police, where um, I was brought in to do a job. I was brought in to change the culture, change the community, change the way people looked at the police. And while when I got there, it was very hard to change the culture because, I mean, and I'm not, again, I'm not being that racist guy or being racial or anything like that. I'm just telling you what happened to me in the true story is that, you know, you had a community that was separated between uh, Caucasians and African-Americans. They brought in this golden caramel guy to fix things. And, you know, this group here, if you weren't white or Caucasian, wouldn't accept anybody else. But now you've got this little brown guy telling all these white people what to do. And it's like, I'm not going to listen to you. You know, <laughs> so, so it was a little hard. But then the community, when I went out to the community, they're like, hey, here's this guy who's listening to us, who's who's actually taking us into consideration. We, we created focal groups. We created a program called No Colors, No Labels, which was a program designed to remove the preconceived notion that the police were racially motivated. We brought people together in these big conferences where we would basically say, like, today, we're going to learn about the Hispanic culture, the Mexican culture. We would bring in the music, the food, feed everybody, talk about why you know, why do Mexicans eat beans? Why does everybody make fun of the beans? Well, Mexicans, that's where they got their protein from, was from eating beans because they couldn't, they couldn't kill the cow because then they wouldn't have milk and, and things like that. So then we did the African-Americans, the Asians, and we did all of this stuff. And when the community started changing, we lowered the crime rate by 20%. Uh, we had a fully staffed department. Things were going really great, and the community accepted it. So that was my biggest success because I was able to change the the viewpoint of a of a culture that had been used to being put down by the police. Yeah. But then my biggest failure was I couldn't change the police, which were the good guys. I couldn't change them. 
So when I left the community, threw me this humongous party. I mean, they were so sad to see me leave and they, they, they threw me this huge party and all the citizens were there and stuff like that, but not one, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I can count the number of police officers that showed up in one hand and I think that was like three of them. <laughs> and I was kind of like, what did I do wrong? Like, we had all these great things going, crime was down, we were fully staffed, the community liked us, we had all these programs going on, we succeeded. But then the police hates me and I'm their boss and, and they hate me and they can't, and then they're so happy that I'm gone. <laughs> so, so I couldn't see that. So it, it's bothered me for a long time. I'm over it now. Uh, but I think that was my biggest success and my biggest failure. So, and I think the biggest challenge. It was, it was, it was one of the biggest challenges that I've ever had trying to understand how something that's working is not working. Like, yeah. How does it work and how does it not work at the same time? So that was really hard. Yeah, actually, when you said that uh, your biggest failure is actually your biggest success in life, this is what we discussed yesterday with one of my friends, with a recognition expert, and we were talking about failure, and she said that people should even strive for failure sometimes, because when you fail, you learn something, it's like a lesson, and the more you learn, the more you study, the cleverer you become, the more experience you get, and so you only get higher than you were before yeah well, you know every failure you have to learn from it and, 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 I, and I always laugh when people say I've never failed at anything in life and look at me and I'm like you're lying because yeah. <laughs> you would not be successful without any failures because you're successful because you took a chance and you tried something it doesn't mean it worked maybe you don't look at it as a failure but you see failing to me <laughs> I have failed so much at so many things I, I failed at businesses what well, you know You know, I failed at businesses. I failed at my first marriage. I was a terrible husband. Uh, you know, if you ask the police and marshal, I was a terrible leader. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't I believe it now. I didn't like school. I didn't like this, but it's taught me how to be who I am today. Um, I'm not rich by any means, but I'm not poor. I've got money in the bank. I've got a house. I've got family. I've got kids. I've got an education. I've got businesses. I've got a career. I got a brand. I'm speaking. I'm doing what I want to do, not what I have to do, what I want to do. And had I not failed in those things, I would have never learned, okay, so I got to adjust this and I got to fix this and I got to adjust this. Um, and now I know that changing culture is a long-term platform. It's not something that happens like this, no matter how yes. bad you want it. Yes, yes. Absolutely agree with you here. And uh, what advice would you give uh, someone who wants to pursue a career similar to yours? Or what advice would you give to yourself back to the beginning of your career? So the first thing, and it's funny that you say that because I have, I have, a, I have a 21-year-old son who says, uh, you know, he's always wanted to be just like dad. And I'm like, God, why? I'm like, no, <laughs> be anybody you want. Just don't be me. You know, come on. You know, learn from everything I've done wrong. And so he wants to be a cop and he's actually started his career as a police officer. He's, he's now a police officer. And I, I begged and pleaded with him for many years, please son, don't, <laughs> don't, don't do this. Um, some of the things that I have seen, some of the things that I've done, you know, I've been shot at, I've been stabbed at, I've been stabbed, I've been punched in the face. I've been uh, in car chases and, and all that stuff. And, you know, people think, think it's exciting and stuff like that, but the world has changed now. The world is, 
and not to sound silly or anything like that, you know, the, the world is a really bad place now. It, it really is. I mean, uh, it, it's 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 very anti-police. A lot of people don't like the police, um, even though we really are the good guys. You know, we we are really <laughs> we really are. Um, and you are the example. And I like to think that. You know, I like to think that we are really good people, but sometimes. People don't don't look at it that way. So I, I've tried to talk him out of it. So I I have said because he always tells me, well, yeah, Daddy, if you if you know now what you knew, if you knew then what you know now, would you still be a cop? And I said, are you crazy? Hell no! Way <laughs> in hell, I'd go to I'd go to medical school and be a doctor. I mean, that's where the money's at. You know, I mean. You know, you, the medical field is exploding everywhere. I mean, you know, you, you've got the the coronavirus going on. You've got all these scientists yeah. trying to find a cure, and and surgical masks are like thirty dollars for one mask. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. So if if I could go back, I would definitely uh, pursue business first because uh, I'm really good at it, something that I've learned. Uh, I, I didn't learn that the easy way. I mean, I've lost a lot of money uh, <laughs> doing things that I thought were going to work, and I was like, that didn't work. I'm like, shoot. Uh, <laughs> but definitely, if anybody wanted to, to do anything that, I want, that I've done, I would definitely say just stay out of law enforcement because there's no money. It's not a job that anybody thanks you for. Stay, uh, and you know what? Even nowadays, it's funny because we always tell people, stay in school, stay in school, stay in school, go to school. And and while school is important, this little piece of paper doesn't mean you're the smartest guy in the world um, because, you know, um, some of the biggest, more successful people that I know are doing trades. You know, people that know how to weld, people that know how to build things and things that have no desire to have a, an education. But uh, I would definitely pick up a skill. Uh, like I told you, I don't know how to work on a car or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> I would definitely do totally different, but I, it would be in business or in medical and uh, tell somebody just stay out of law enforcement. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I have a younger sister. She's 10 uh, years younger than me. And my parents still keep on telling her that you need to study, you need to do this, you need to read that book, you need to go to school, you need to go to that courses, you need to go to university and study, study and study. But what, uh, what I'm saying to my sister is that do what you want, find what you really like, and you just need to find your passion. And then people will see the fire in your eyes. They will feel that energy from you that you are doing what you like. And you have no other way. Like, uh, you cannot uh, be not successful if you're really doing what you like. So, yes, it may be by slow pace, but... In the end, you will be happy and you will have everything you want just by doing what you really want and what you really can do. Yes, you know, last 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 Friday, um, I got the opportunity to speak to 800 people um, and everyone, I got to speak to 800 different law enforcement agents in the, in, the, in the nation and I got to speak to them and I actually got paid to do it. And everyone's like, wow, Eddie, you know, when you're at the office you're very business like you're very different <laughs> then we put that microphone in your hand and you had everybody laughing and talking and the things you say and the things that you do you really like doing that and i'm like i do i like i like talking i like you know letting people know my side of the story and and, and my versions of, of the way life is and stuff like that and, and and finally i have the opportunity to do something that i like 
But if you look back, I told you I was working on a PhD. Well, my PhD is in criminal justice. My master's is in criminal justice. My uh, bachelor's is in criminal justice. And I'm like, God, I really hate criminal justice. Like, <laughs> but when I got my bachelor's, it only made sense to get my master's in criminal justice. Well, that's all I know. I've been a cop for 27 years. So when I get my PhD, what am I going to do? Go to education or the medical field? <laughs> oh, I, mean, then I, I don't know anything about that. So it's kind of like, damn, I spent all this time in school on something that I love to do because I've been doing it, obviously, but that's all I know how to do until I realize that there's other things I know how to do. So, yeah. You know, oh. I, and, and finally, finally, I'm happy. So that, that, This is actually the most important thing. And I really can feel your energy. I really uh, feel it that when you are talking about what you are doing, about your businesses, about your occupation, about your life, you're really enjoying that. You're really enjoying what you do. Yeah. I am finally happy. So that's really good. That's the most important thing because I'll tell you what, I, I've had money and been miserable. I, I've been poor and been miserable. Um, now I'm doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And I'm the happiest I've ever been. And so is my family. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, how can my listeners connect with you? Where can they find you online? So online you can... Use the three names, Jesus Eddie Tampa dot com. That's J E S U S E D D I E C A M P A dot com. Jesus Eddie Campa. <laughs> and there you'll see my story. Uh, you'll see that uh, another thing we left out in the story. You'll see the first episode of my um, uh, my animation series. We're, we're building an animation series based on my life during my time in Marshall. So you'll see what I look like as a cartoon uh, <laughs> animated guy. It's pretty cool. Uh, we've got uh, we've got the first season done. We've got uh, eight episodes. Uh, cool. April the second the second week of April, we will be in Austin, Texas, at our first film festival trying to to get some big uh, some big uh, investor to <laughs> sell it to Netflix or Hulu or one of the streaming <laughs> devices YouTube and, and start a series it's called I am el jefe you can also go to iamelhefe.com and see two mini episodes of what we've done uh, life is great you know I'm really excited like I said you know I, I, I I'm I've got my first book coming out uh, in, in, in winter. I've got the animation series. We've got the security company, the speaking business, my career working on PhD. I mean, it's just wonderful, you know. So please stop by at jesusericampa.com. It's the same thing for uh, my Instagram, jesusericampa at Instagram, jesusericampa at Twitter, jesusericampa <laughs> website, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all those places. Yeah, I will also put all the links needed to the description to this episode so that the audience could find you easier, okay? Awesome, appreciate that. And what message do you want to leave my listeners with today? Well, I think the most important thing that I want to leave your listeners is with, you know, because everybody always tells me or asks me, like, well, who are you? Like, you're all of these people. And it's like, well, you know, so, and it's kind of funny because sometimes I've had actually people say, you're lying. There's no way that you're doing that. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, for instance, you don't, you're not a professor at UTEP. Okay, go to utep.edu and you'll see my picture in the criminal justice faculty and I'll be there. And they're like, oh, mm -hmm. God, you are a professor. Yeah. Uh, you're a cop. You are a wrestler. You weren't a wrestler. Okay, go to my YouTube channel. You'll see me wrestling in my company. I mean, so those are the great things about social media is that you can always, 
you know, sh- you got proof, right? But the most important thing is don't ever settle. You always have to reinvent yourself. Uh, and what I mean by reinventing yourself is you always have to keep improving. You know, I've known a lot of police officers and a lot of teachers, a lot of doctors, a lot of everybody that they think that they're only good at one thing, you know, um, and it happens in police, in the police world a lot. I've been a cop for 27 years. That's all you know how to do. No, it's not all I know how to do. I know how to be a businessman. I know how to wrestle. I know how to write a book. I, I'm a professor on this and this. So you always got to keep reinventing yourself because you never know. I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen in life. So you need to have as many skills and abilities uh, just in case something happens, you know. So don't don't ever let what you do define you. You define what you do. And that's one of the things that I think everybody needs to do, that once you define what you do, instead of what you do defining you, you actually find happiness and reality and you're at peace with yourself. And, and you know that, hey, if, if I lose my job today as the executive director for the Oklahoma, state of Oklahoma, well, I've got two businesses to fall on. Uh, I'm still teaching at the universities. My life isn't over, you know. Uh, so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people, when they lose their job or something like that, they just curl up and die. But if you keep reinventing yourself and, and you define what you do, you're golden. So I think this thought, uh, this final message is actually one of the best, probably final messages that I got during the recording of podcast. So thank you very much oh, awesome. for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to such an intelligent man today. So thank you. Good luck with your PhD. Good luck with the launch of your film. And I hope to hear next time about your new winner, about your new achievements, about your new goals, okay? Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And uh, I'll just leave you with that and say thank you very much. It was an honor to, to get to meet you and be on your podcast. And I hope you'll eventually invite us back and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you. Keep on you inspiring people. Awesome. Goodbye. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. This is a podcast sponsored by Combin.com. Grow and manage your Instagram safely and organically with Combin Growth and Combin Scheduler. Instagram promotion is easy. Combin.com.